The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. As always, in the studio, in Garage Mahal, we have Pootie and P... P-Nate? Apparently P-Nate is not here today. Um, we did know that. It's just a bit of a joke. I do miss him, though. It's weird him not being here with me. But you only have the Pootie this week. And a special guest. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but before we do that, I want to hit some Rebel news up. So in Canada, I know a lot of you guys are American and from other places, but in Canada, we have a very, very liberal prime minister right now, and he continues to do things that the rebels have to comment on because this stuff is outrageous and I can't believe this is happening. So today, our Senate passed a bill that will make the Canadian national anthem gender neutral. So the national anthem of our country that has been around for hundreds of years that we have all sung at sporting events, in school, if you're old enough to have sung the national anthem in the school, they've altered the lyrics of the national anthem from in all thy sons command to in all of us command, removing the word sons to just put us, which on the surface doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But you got to remember what the national anthem was created. It was written with God in mind. This is God's nation. That's part of our national anthem. God bless these lands. This is a line speaking specifically to men and women, but sons being the generic sons of the father, sons and daughters of Christ. And they've taken that out to make it gender neutral. And that's just another example of something that in our culture and our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, finding ways to pervert the truth to be able to put things in in a perspective that says that anybody can be what they want to be, that women can be men, men can be women, when we all know this is not the case and we just another step down the road towards complete liberalism in Canada. And I just wanted to bring that up and point that out. I know we harp on the gender politics and the transgender agenda very often. That's very hard to say back to back, by the way, often. But it's just another example of something that we're doing in this country that I think as People, as listeners of this podcast, as people who want to stand for truth, I think these are the things we need to be combating. We can't be letting bills like this get passed in our Senate without any kind of comment. So again, we just implore you guys, like we did in our last video, to write your MPs and and tell them what you think about these things. And I know this one might be just a very small little example, but it's something that's happening in our culture today that we need to be aware of and that we need to be watching out for. And as always, this podcast, we're proud members of the Berean Media Network, which is a network of podcasts dedicated to you bringing you sound theology and gospel truth that'll help you engage your culture around you with a biblical worldview. Members of that podcast on Mondays, you get a double header. You get the layman's cup who are just four men sipping the truth 
You also get the Front Pew podcast, which is a podcast for pastors speaking about stuff that they deal with. We come out every Wednesday, as you know, if you're listening to this every Wednesday, but then on Thursdays, sometimes Fridays, you have the two thieves who give you some sound doctrine and those guys engage with the text and really give us a a good perspective of what to listen to. Check out any one of those podcasts, like us, share us on Facebook and also uh, get involved with us. We at the Rebels particularly want to hear from our listeners. We appreciate all the questions that we get in, but without further ado, let's get into who my special guest is here. It's my wife, Heather. I know, I know. You guys are all shocked that somebody can be married to me. I get it. She's been married to me now 10 years, putting up with me for 16 because we dated for six before that. I don't know how she does it. She must have the humility that surpasses all humility, the grace of all. Heather is here. Heather, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing doing? good. Heather's a little bit shy, so don't hold it against her. This is way out of her comfort zone. We're just, you know... Glad she's here. We are all happy to hear what she has to say a little bit later on when we get to our topic. But first, we're going to start with an opening question like we sometimes do. We'd like to put our guests and sometimes each other on the spot. And so I'm going to do that for you now. You're a big movie fan. Yes, I am. What are some of your favorite movies? I love the 90s. I love the 90s era. So starting in the 90s, I love The Fugitive. That's always been one of my favorite movies. Shawshank Redemption. It's a great movie. And moving onward to the 2000s, Gladiator is one of my favorites. And The Dark Knight, the Batman second movie with so, Christian Bale. Okay, so you guys Those are, are getting top of my a fav- little, yeah. <laughs> little bit of insight into, into my relationship here. You can see why I would have just fallen head over heels over this girl. Notice what <laughs> wasn't on that list. Any chick flicks, any... Boring romantic comedies, none of those things. We're talking The Fugitive, Harrison Ford, come on now. Gladiator, Shawshank Redemption. These are some of the big hitters. The Dark Knight is probably my second favorite movie of all time. So we're doing pretty good. So Heather, the question then becomes, you're sitting at home. You have a rare night off. I'm out doing whatever. Maybe I'm recording the podcast next week. And in the middle of the living room, Jesus suddenly shows up like he did to the apostles and the disciples. He sits down and says, Heather, I want to spend some QT with you. I want to watch a movie with you. What movie are you showing our Lord and Savior? Of the movies I just named? Any movie, but you can Um, choose one of those if you want. I don't know. I think if he were actually going to be sitting in the living room with me, I probably wouldn't. Let's put on a movie. Uh, First of all, I'd probably have a nice little discussion. But if I had to pick a movie... Maybe he just wants to chill. You know what I mean? He's been holding the universe together, yep. interceding for us before the Father. He just wants to have a nice, relaxing time with you. What movie are you showing him? Probably The Fugitive. The Fugitive? Yeah. Richard Kimball. Yeah. Why The Fugitive? It's a movie that I like to, well, I can watch it anytime. It's a good, rewatchable movie to me, which is usually how I pick my movies. If it has rewatchability to me that I can rewatch at any time, I enjoy it. Fair enough. I, I think I would show him Gladiator. Yeah. Like the, and out of those movies you said, Shawshank, it's too depressing. There's a good moral story of hope there, but it's a little too depressing. Gladiator's a good one. I really like that. Like, I think he would be very much on Richard Kimball's side. But like Gladiator, there's like those great scenes. Like, I'm Maximus Decimus or Meridius. Like, he turns and he goes. I feel like he'd really like that one. And I would say that it's probably a little similar to his life with the way that you know, one guy dies, die in the end, you know, and you kind of root for him. It's different. 
He's on the run. It's fast moving. It's great. It's a great movie. Yeah, Gladiator has that like very good apostolic message where it's like the one who deserves it suffers when yes. everybody else who does deserve it doesn't get it. the one who doesn't deserve it rather suffers. So that's that's a good one. I guess you I guess you've done pretty well with that. Yeah. So now before we get into our main topic, we're just going to take a short break. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Rebel Alliance Media. Uh, and if you really love them, you'll really, really probably sort of maybe like us. We are the Layman's Cup Podcast, and we are four guys seeking the truth one sip at a time. I'm Kemp, and I'm alongside Bob Sims, everybody. Hey, everybody. My man, Sean. What's up? And last but not least, say what's up to the people, Wes. Hey, what's up, people? Again, we are the Layman's Cup Podcast, and we are glad you guys are listening to the Rebel Alliance, but we really, really want you to listen to us. Layman's Cup Podcast. Welcome back. As we get into our main topic, we're going to be speaking about how God used suffering and a big tragedy in your life and my life to bring us closer to him, but also just a little bit about your history and what that means going forward into the kingdom and how you balance your work and your incredible involvement in the church and why that's so important. So first, I just want to give our listeners a sense of who you are. Tell us a little bit about your story. So I grew up in the church, Wortley Baptist Church to be exact, and I attended that church until I was in my early 20s. My parents went to church and so did both sets of my grandparents, and I also had a couple of cousins who I attended with, so it was definitely a comfortable place for me to attend every week. I saw both of my parents involved in the church as well. My dad was an elder and ran a Sunday school class every week. My mom was involved in choir and played the organ every week, as well as for weddings and funerals. I was also baptized there when I was 12, and I did serve mostly in the nursery because of my age. I I did attend youth group and Sunday school, and I remember being able to invite school friends to church uh, with me when I was young, so I always enjoyed going to church. So you grew up in the church, you're always around church, always comfortable at the church, going about your business there with your family being involved. So you had good role models. Yes. Um, You do something that's very interesting to me. It's something that I don't do, but uh, I've always found this very interesting about you is the way you actually read your Bible. Tell us a little bit of that because you read your Bible from start to finish. And then as soon as you finish Revelation, you go right back to Genesis and go all the way through it again. Yes. I remember asking you about that because I, you know, how I am. I'm like, why don't you just read Matthew or John right now instead of like, you know, going through Leviticus. And I remember you saying to me something that stuck with me forever. It was every word in scripture is as important as every other word in scripture. And why should you pick and choose what you read when God's word is all important? You can learn from all of it. So you read it from start to finish. So what made you start doing that? What do you do it that way? Well, as you said, I did it that way because I wanted to read it all. So that was the first start of it to make sure I was reading the whole Old Testament and then the New Testament. And when I first did it, I really enjoyed the way I read it because once you got to Uh, Revelation, which was a difficult book, I was really looking forward to starting Genesis again. Genesis is like 
one of my favorite books of the Bible. So each time I'd start, I was like excited to, well, you know what? And then you just kind of keep on going. So then you go into Exodus. So I did do that for obviously quite a few years. I recently changed the way that I am doing my devotions and that's actually having a conversation with you. So now I'm doing my devotions where I'm reading a chapter of the Old Testament. So I've already gone through Genesis, I'm now in Exodus. Then I read a Psalm, then I read a proverb, and then I flip over to the New Testament, which I am still in Matthew. And it's been extremely enjoyable, gives me a whole new meaning to each chapter that I'm reading because I've always loved reading the Old Testament book. So this just, you know, helps kind of put a focus on the old and the new. So when I'm reading the new, I can kind of remember what I've just read in the old. It puts a whole new perspective on the Psalms for me, because believe it or not, when I did read it, like in order, Psalms were actually kind of hard for me to get through. So doing it this way, the Psalms mean more now than they did before. So I would highly recommend studying the Bible this way. I've been enjoying it since I started doing it that way. And so you've been doing your devotions and you grew up in the church. Now, we alluded to this, but something changed in the last little while. So in the last six years, something happened to you. So why don't you tell our listeners what that was? And then we can talk about what that meant for your relationship with God. Sure. So it was actually this time of year. Uh, six years ago that my life changed in a way that I never thought would happen. So my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And just to give you a bit of a history there, uh, my mom had been healthy her entire life and her family had been healthy too. My great grandmother lived to be almost a hundred. My grandfather, which is her dad had passed away within the last five years of that. And my grandma, her mom, is still around. And my mom was the youngest of her siblings who were all healthy too. So when I was told she was sick, it was a total shock in every way. My mom ended up having uh, progressive cancer. And so she passed away just over a year after her diagnosis, which this May is coming up to five years. So I mention all this because believe it or not, these were... And they continue to be days where my faith became the most real for me. My daily devotions took on an entire new meaning and my relationship with Christ grew in ways I never would have predicted. When your mom got sick, that's when you really like started pouring into the word, studying to try to get to know him on a daily basis. You always kind of did that a little bit before, but it was more that that event kind of catapulted you almost in a way spiritually that you had never predicted or thought of before. Yeah, exactly. I know we've talked about this, but um, not just you, but also myself, Nate, Colleen, your family in general, how something that looked like such a terrible event, because on the surface, nobody wanted to see that happen, was used in a way that none of us could predict because it has brought all of us closer together, but also, and we were a close family period before, but It's brought us all close together, but also closer to him in a lot of different ways. And I think we've seen that. We're going to talk about a little bit about that. So it's funny how sometimes God uses tragedy and you're, and you're a good example of this because God's used 
a tragedy, a suffering in your life to bring him closer to you, that you see Christ more clearly, God's sovereignty in every detail of your life, good and bad, as ultimately leading to good, which is learning to love him and know him more, right? Yep. We see this example throughout scripture, times when darkness seems to have been victorious, and yet God uses those circumstances to bring about something that we couldn't imagine in terms of good. We see this all the way through the book of Genesis. I know you're a big Genesis fan. One of the stories we talk about sometimes is the story of Joseph. On the surface, everything looks like it's going very bad for that man until he starts advancing in Pharaoh's kingdom. And then all of a sudden he's able to get promoted and a whole bunch of good things happen because of the bad things that had happened to him in his life. He became more powerful, was able to save Israel from a lot of difficulties, the famines and things when that happened because of things that had happened in his life. David, we see the example of things he did terribly bad on the run, but God says he's a man after his own heart. We see how God uses negative things in his life to bring him closer to God. We see that all the way through scripture. The, The cross is an example of that, right? Ultimate darkness. We see what looks like defeat, the savior of the world put to death only for him to see him raise in victory three days later. And we see that throughout scripture and we see that repeatedly. So I think it's good for people to understand that sometimes the difficult things we're going through in our lives, like you said, you never expected Lois to to get sick. You never expected her to be the one that was going to go early before her time, as as, as we say sometimes. But that event has not only drastically changed how you relate and feel about God, trust in his sovereignty, trust in his grace and mercy on a daily basis more now than you did before. But you've also seen that evidence in other people around, like the family, the people who came to the funeral, myself and others, right? So I think this is a really good lesson for people to hear is that we're so caught up sometimes in the in the moments, in the things that are happening to us that we don't think of the things that are going to come from the good that can be done. And I'm not saying things are going to get easy right away, but ultimately we know these things work out for our good when we have the perspective that the only thing that matters is how we relate to Jesus on the cross and how we relate to God and how we help build that kingdom. So if suffering in our lives helps build that kingdom, then that's ultimately a good thing when we have that right perspective. Yeah. So a specific memory I have is the day of my mom's funeral. So just again, for those who don't know me, I love to read. So during that time, I was reading a secular book, a book that brought me into its world and out of mine. So it was a great escape. The morning of the funeral, I do remember sitting in my living room and thinking between which book I should read, this secular book or the Bible. And the Bible is what I ended up opening that morning. And what I remember extremely well is my devotion that morning. It was one of the best that I have ever had. It's really hard to put into words because I felt a joy and I felt his presence like the entire time. It was something I had never truly felt before. And even that entire day, even now as I look back, was a joyous day and a day that I look back and will always remember feeling a joy and an internal healing that could have only come from him. So after the funeral, we actually started going to a new church together. Yes. Um, Our brother-in-law, who you all know is P. Nate, (laughs) he took on his first senior pastorship. 
Um, and it was close enough to home. And we had a bit of debate if we were going to go with them or stay where we were serving prior to that. But we decided prayerfully to go with Nate and Colleen on their uh, new adventure. Yeah. Um, luckily, it's actually the same distance from our house anyway, but yep. worked out well. And I remember us having the discussion before we got there and saying that we're going into a new environment, a different environment that we don't we don't know anybody. It's It's a different environment. And I remember us saying to each other that, we just want to be used. Whatever way God can use us in this church, we want to be free to be able to be used that way. So you're incredibly involved at this church. So, And so are you. <laughs> less so, I think. But you're in two small groups. You're in the worship ministry. You're in the sound ministry. You have done the nursery. You're not currently doing it. You're also on the decorating committee. Have I missed anything? No, I think that's that's it. That's, that's all. <laughs> I, well, it's a, it's a long list. So we're not saying that to boast. The question I have is that when you got to Crossroads, that's a lot more ministry than you were doing before. But now you're, you're involved in, in so much stuff. But you also work full time. Yes. And so that's part of what we want to talk about today is how do you balance and how do we balance such busy ministry lives with full-time jobs? Why don't you just tell me how do you manage to do that? Well, I guess to start, when it comes to serving, it's just something in my humble opinion that we are all called to do. If you are going to church, then I think you need to be serving in it. And it's not something I think we should be doing out of obligation, if you are truly serving well and you are in the right ministry, I believe you will enjoy what you're doing and that you will also feel blessed by doing it. As an example, I grew up playing the piano. I never enjoyed playing the piano. The whole process of it, the practicing, the recitals, playing in front of people, those were not great years. I do not look back fondly on those years. I was asked for quite a few years by my mom to think about playing for the church. And she never forced me, but every couple of years would ask if I was ready to try. And I always said no, because it was a nightmare thinking about playing in front of people. So it wasn't until months after she passed away and a friend asked if I would consider playing the keyboard alongside him and his wife. I know at that point it was God's timing because I ended up saying yes, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it ever since. And it was because I was using this gift to help his people enter into a time of worship. It just felt different. It wasn't like the years that I remembered. So there are times now where I can look back and regret not playing earlier and knowing that my mom never got to hear me play for him, like in the church, is something that I will regret. However, another wonderful thing that came out of doing this ministry is that I'm now able to actually serve with you. So that's something that I'm actually very thankful for, that you agreed to come alongside me when I was very timid and shy about stepping into this and you came with me and helped me feel more comfortable. So it's really a blessing that we can do this together. Obviously there's certain times where my nights are filled up. So where it could be three or four nights a week. However, what would those free nights have looked like? That's kind of what I ask myself. So again, in my humble opinion, my life is his. So my time is his. 
because I enjoy these ministries and who I am doing them with, I think of it as a joy in being able to serve. And I ended up making new friends with people I probably never would have been able to have met if I didn't step into these ministries. I think the way we got into worship is an interesting story I'll share here briefly is that neither of us had ever served in worship at any previous church. I didn't grow up in the church, but you grew up in the church and had musical talent. You still didn't serve in the worship ministry. We got asked to do it. And because we had made that commitment when we went to our church that we were just going to whatever, however you can use us, God, use us. And so we both felt led to serve in the ministry. And I, me more so than you, you felt like led to be in it. I just said, I'd help you out. Just I'll go with you because you're doing it and I wanted to serve with you. So we've now been doing worship for four years, I think. And we now lead worship together. So it's one of those things that's a very interesting way God has used that in our lives to one, bring us closer together as a couple. I think one of the great things you said there was so often we serve individually in the church. We don't serve as a couple together. And worship for us is one of the ways that we serve God together. Um, It doesn't always have to be, you know, I serve in this ministry, you serve in this ministry, and we need to make sure our nights align so that we can see each other. Sometimes we serve in a lot of these ministries together. Um, I don't do the sound ministry, but I come with you when you do the sound ministry so that we're spending time together while we're doing that. Or you you usually volunteer to sing that Sunday too. Yeah, that's mostly just because I like to hear the sound of my own voice, but um, <laughs> shocking to everybody listening, I'm sure. But it's a, it's just another way that couples can grow together while they're doing something in the church, because we, we've discussed this often. Our free time isn't ours. Our yeah. free time is, is time that's been gifted to us by our Heavenly Father. We live at His mercy. And I know that sounds very cut and dry, but if you think about it, what better thing can we be using our time for but then to serve him to build his kingdom? And I'm not saying you need to give up every evening. I don't think Heather's saying that either. But what we're saying is one of the things that have one strengthened our, our marriage, but also strengthened us in our relationship with God, helped us grow immensely in our faith. I would say I don't think it's a shock or a misleading statement to say both of us have grown more in the last five years of our faith than we had ever before. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, part of that is that we have a great pastor. Part of it's that we have had circumstances in our life that have drawn us closer and closer to God, needing to depend on him more. But a lot of that is the way we serve in the church, the way we do try to get involved. And I know it feels a bit awkward to be saying, oh, look at us being involved. That's not what we're trying to say here at all. This is just how we do this. And if you guys can take any examples of what we do to serve the church and just put it implemented into your own life, because I know it can be difficult. It can be tough. And we've talked about this. It can be tough to wake up Monday morning after being at our church at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, doing the service, going back in the evening for the evening part of our church day, and then having to wake up first thing Monday morning and do our nine to five jobs. You work in a bank. I work for a company. We do those and then have to go serve small groups on Monday night and be doing different things all the time. And that can be difficult for people. We know that. But we get through that because we've, we're focusing on the fact that these little things that sometimes be like, oh, I don't really want to do this tonight. We're doing it for the greater good because we're focused on building the kingdom. And we know that one of the primary ways we're going to help build the kingdom is if we, if we build ourselves into God's word, into learning about him in community with our people, because the world will change when they see how we interact with each other. That's one reason we do small groups. And I think we've made that more, we've kind of talked about it, but it's been more of a 
priority in our marriage. Like we respect that. So if one of us is maybe feeling like, oh, usually the other one isn't. And I, I always find that that's very interesting. So if it's like, oh, this is going to be a long week for one of us, the other one's usually there to, to say, you know, that that's right, but God will give us the strength to get through it. And there's a blessing in the end. Like it, it, it does help our relationship too, even those times where it does feel like when you think about the week ahead and you're thinking about what night you have free, just to again, what are you going to do in that time? But it, you know, it's nice to not to say there's, there's nothing wrong with having a night to not, to not do anything. Cause I love reading a good book or watching something, but you know, it's nice that we encourage each other with that and what the priority is when we are doing that ministry that we're doing it for him. And that keeps us, I think, tries to help keep us in a in a good state that we should be doing this ministry still. Yeah. One of the things we've talked about before is that it's important to like the ministries you're involved in too. Yes. Um, sometimes things just need to get done and you need to be the person that does that. If, if you're feeling that this needs to get done, sometimes that's the case. But for the majority of the time, it's, it's good to serve in ministries that you enjoy. So we both enjoy worship, so we serve in that. We both enjoy small groups, so we serve in those. You enjoy decorating, so you serve in that and things like that. So it's important sometimes to remember that ministry doesn't have to be a grind. It doesn't have to, like when you're working full-time, sometimes you can look forward to every day. Oh, tonight I'm going to serve on my worship team. I know we keep using worship as an example, but it's a big one in our lives where we can look forward to these things. It's fun to see those people and to spend time worshiping our God together and doing those things. And that's a lot of how we balance like the fact that, you know, we could be doing other things with our free time in the evenings. It's easy for both of us to go home and watch a movie like we talked about earlier, to throw on The Fugitive and just <laughs> veg for two and a half hours. That's an easy thing for us to do, but it takes constant discipline and us reorienting. And I like, I love the way you said that sometimes it's you and sometimes it's me that it's like, oh, I don't want to do this this week. Or tonight, I don't want to have this meeting. I don't want to go have the second practice for music or whatnot, where the other one's usually the opposite saying, no, no, let's go. Let's do this for, for the kingdom. And we kind of build each other up and we get through it because God gives us the strength for each day that day. Yeah. Right. And it's important for us to continue to, to recognize that. Right. Yeah. So just to wrap up, we have three points, I guess, just John Piper, just throwing out three points that you can write down <laughs> that you guys can take away about how to balance work service and all those things that we feel we have to do. Cause I know a lot of you guys want to be more involved in your church, but you just don't know necessarily how to do it with all the things you have going on. Right. And I know there's lots of real world things that you have to get done. This is how I rationalize it. And we want to, and me and Heather kind of prioritize this. So the first thing is you have to do what you feel called to. One of my good friends one, one time told me any of the leaders you would hear in his church would say would be, Oh, I, I only do this ministry because nobody else will do it there is a time where you need to get things done and it just, you're the one that notices that this needs to happen. So you need to be the one to do it. But most of the time you need to be serving in ministries that you feel led prayerfully led to do, to be involved in, to lead, to serve. Because the truth is if you're serving in a ministry, a lot of times people in the congregation, there's somebody who would love to do what you're doing in church. Like I know, I know for example, there might be people who would love to lead worship or sing or do the sound ministry, but they're seeing you fulfill that ministry. And if you're doing it out of a sense of obligation, obligation, or because nobody else will do it, 
you're, you're sometimes holding them back. So it might be better for you to step away if you're not feeling led and called to do that ministry. We don't serve out of a sense of obligation. This isn't a checklist. You don't serve in the church to check off a, a mark to get a gold star so that you can say, well, I've gone to church this week. I've done my service this week. Now I have the rest of the time for myself. Right. It's a privilege to serve in the church. And I think once we grasp that idea, it's an honor and a privilege to us to be able to serve him. Once we get that, I think it makes a world of difference to how we actually go about serving them. The last thing I think is the most important part when you're waking up Monday morning thinking, how am I going to balance work, taking all the trash out, doing all the chores, (laughs) taking the kids to soccer, but still having to go serve two nights a week at the church, three nights a week at the church. First thing to remember is when you get the strength for service in the church from God, but you get that strength every single day when you wake up and you pour into his word and you read about him, study him, pray to him, and he'll give you that strength to serve that day for that day alone. I know we talked about that earlier. You get the grace for today today. And I think once we start to grasp that, you can't be empowered to serve in the church unless you're growing in your faith yourself. Because what will happen is you'll start using your own abilities, your your own talents, and that'll fall flat on its face. If I do things in my own power, those things will, will ultimately only go so far and they'll likely fail. But when I rely on the, on the Holy Spirit, when I rely on God to give me the power, and I get that from spending time in prayer, in his word, then I can see real growth in that ministry. And that might be building up somebody to replace you in that ministry or whatnot, but we get that from spending the time with God in the morning or in mid-morning or whenever you do your devotions. So that's the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast this week. I hope that was helpful for you guys. I know it was a great discussion for us. We know this is something we talk about all the time, um, but it's something that we try to live out as we go along our weekly uh, lives, but it's not always easy. But we know that we serve a God who all things are possible through. So he continues to give us the strength for today, today. And we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Have a great week, guys. 